the challenge the last couple of weeks has been to, to ask ourselves if we could look spiritually upon our city into our community what kind of brightness what would the spiritual lights look like in our city what would our church look like in our city in the darkness of the day what would your life your home your actions look like would you shine like stars in the darkness would it be a a faint glimmer of a light or would it be a bright and shining light and how do we increase the light especially in a day where the light seems to be fading where the light of living for God seems to be dying out where it seems like groups and people are because of the pressure of the day because of the influence of culture that people are turning their lights off and joining the darkness or at the very least dimming their lights and instead of it shining brighter it gets to be dimmer instead of a new brightness there seems to be more territory covered by darkness in our culture today have you noticed that you've been aware of that Today it seems like the viewpoint of the followers of Christ is not only being rejected, but being judged in the harshest of terms. Bigots, haters, closed-minded, told, told to be quiet. One writer put it this way. He said this, if you're going to be bigoted in your pro-life view, and your view that marriage is between a man and a woman, and that fornication is morally wrong, then you must confine your views to the four walls of your sanctuary. But don't bring your bigotry into the public square. That's the rhetoric of many in the world. They say, oh, pastor, pastor, that's just fringe groups and, and groups that are way out there. Well, I, I would beg to differ. Just in the last year, the North Carolina State Legislature passed uh, Bill HB2. It's, it's dubbed the bathroom law. And, and what it does is it requires adherence to state law that requires only biological gender, not gender, gender identity, and the use of public restrooms and locker rooms. In other words, if you were born biologically a male, you use the boys' bathroom. Use the boys' locker room. If you were born biologically female, you use the girls' bathroom and the girls' locker room. So they passed this bill to enforce what I grew up with as something pretty common sense. You know, you get in trouble for doing the other thing. <laughs> Did any of you remember that day? Yeah. So you think, Okay, so, so they did that. In response to that, in July of this year, the NBA, National Basketball Association, announced that it would move the 2017 All-Star Game from Charlotte, North Carolina, to New Orleans in response to that law. That's not a fringe group. The National College Athletic Association, NCAA, just this last month on September the 12th announced that it was pulling seven championship events scheduled for that state this year because of that law. So now I want you to think about what that means. What that means is this, 
the NCAA, who would, who would say apparently that it's wrong, unsafe, unhealthy, not good, for a, a biologically gendered boy to play on the girls' volleyball team. That would be wrong. That could be harmful to girls. That could be harmful to competition. That's wrong. But apparently, it's okay for that same boy to go into the girls' locker room and use the shower with them. Does that sound a little askew to anybody besides me? That's the world we're in today. That's the increasing darkness and confusion, and not just by fringe groups, but by major corporations and major, major groups in the world. Pharmacists today, judges today, clerks today, business owners today, and teachers are being told that they must leave their faith at the door. Their faith does not matter. If you are to work here, you've got to teach, you've got to pass judgment, you've got to sell products, you've got to buy insurance that is in direct conflict with your faith, or you can't be a judge, you can't be a clerk, you can't be a teacher, you can't be a pharmacist in our society today. On many university campuses today, faith-based clubs, Christian clubs of all sorts, are being told that their, that their uh, constitution, their bylaws that would state that if you're going to be a member of our group, of our club, you've got to adhere to biblical principles in your life and if you're going to be an officer in our club, you've got to live by biblical principles in your life. And if you don't, you're not eligible for membership. You're not eligible to be an officer in our club. You can come to our events, but you can't be a, an officer in our club. They're being told they've got to strip those laws away. They've got to strip those things out of their, out of their bylaws. And they've got to accept anybody of any lifestyle to be officers in their clubs or their clubs will no longer be recognized as official clubs on campus and be able to use campus facilities. That's the encroaching darkness of the day. That's what's going on in our society and our world, and it seems like our world is growing less tolerant of the freedom of our religion and more attacking month by month. By month. We live in a time that is harsh towards biblical beliefs. Now, let me share a couple things about that. First of all, this is not new. This has been going on from the very beginning of Christianity. The pressures of the day, the cultures of the world, have fought the values of Christianity from the day of its inception till today. It's not new. It's happening all around the world today in much worse ways than what we're facing it. People who are proclaiming to be Christians are treated in much worse ways than what we have at this point in time. However, some of this is new to us because we've been protected by freedom of religion but I'm telling you, there are, there's a push of the enemy who inspires people. Says, you think this is a conspiracy? I think it's a conspiracy from hell that's pushing people to do things to undermine the freedom of religion in our country. 
And we better be aware of it. That needs to be the big issue on our agenda. When it comes to elections, it comes to anything else, that better be the big issue on Christians' agendas. Is what's going to happen to our freedom with who we elect into these places. The second thing I would tell you is this. No matter how dark it gets, no matter how much the world pushes against us, no matter how much the world says, God can still move in the world. And sometimes it's in the midst of the darkness and this kind of pressure that you really discover who's a Christian and who's an actor. Who really is a Christ follower and who is just somebody who uh, has a, a cultural faith instead of a real commitment to Christ. And so God still moves in the midst of all of, of, all of this. Here's the truth. The more we turn down our light to accommodate the darkness, the more the darkness will encroach on the world. The more we are silent, the more we do nothing, the more we look at other things as important and the things of faith is not important, the more the light dims and the more the darkness spreads. Now imagine with me a different world. Imagine with me a world where the light is growing brighter and brighter. Uh, imagine with me a, a world where the lives of believers are becoming more and more influential. With new outbreaks of light springing up all across our city, in our offices, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our inner cities, the light of the gospel, the hope of Christ, the hope of eternity, the righteousness of living and the goodness of, of the direction of God, it growing brighter instead of it growing duller. For that light to be increased. That is God's intention for the church. God's intention for us is that our light would grow brighter and brighter. God's intention for us is that our influence would increase, not decrease, and that we would shine brightly in a dark world. And so we ask ourselves, how do we grow brighter in dark times? We talked about one of those ways last week. when We talked about the, the, the purpose and the intent of you investing your lives intentionally in other people. Helping younger believers grow in their life mentoring younger believers and developing them, building relationship with people who don't know Christ and loving them and being patient and doing the long-term investment in their life. Not just going and getting in their face and saying, turn or burn. But going and loving them, showing Christ's nature to them so that it becomes inviting and the, the light becomes compelling and they're drawn to it because of your love and your patience and your kindness towards them. Now here's, here's the second part of it. We're going to touch on this one a little bit today. If we want the dark times to grow brighter, we've got to get serious about praying for our, for, our, for our communities. So let me ask you a question today. We read the Bible. The Bible says our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against powers and principalities in this dark world. So there's an influence of the enemy that wants to reach out to the weakness of the flesh of man, the temptation of man, and compel him, assure him that these weaknesses of our flesh, these weaknesses of our sinful nature are really good for us when the Bible declares to us that sin, when it's finished, 
bringeth forth death. He wants to lie to that and compel people to come and to compromise their life, to ignore what the Bible says, and he wants to compel them to live this life. And we see that all through our society. Here's the question. On a spiritual level, what have you done about it? You say, well, what what can I do about it? You can pray about it. How, how, How many times this week did you pray for your family? God, protect my family. Let the lie of the gospel grow. I held a new little baby grandson in my arms this week and I prayed to him, God, let him always love you. Let him always see you. Let him always desire the things of your kingdom. That's a prayer I'll pray for him the rest of his life. Because our battle's against powers and principalities. How, how often did you pray for your How often did you pray for the people in, in your workplace? How often did you pray for your neighborhood? Did you, did you take any time this week and pray for our city? Was there a moment in time you said, God, in Springfield, Illinois, I'm driving down the street here, Lord. There's people all around me. They're going to heaven. They're going to hell. Their eternity is, is, is out there someplace. God, in Jesus' name, let the light of your gospel begin to shine in their life. Silence the enemy over them. Move in our community. Move in central Illinois. Begin to move in people's lives. Begin to reveal yourself to them. Begin to convict people of sin and bring the brightness of the light into, the, into, into, your, into their lives. This, this week, this week, with all the things going on in our election, isn't it amazing? We've got two people, that are, that are one, or, one or two of them are going to be elected with the highest dislike rates of any two candidates we've ever had in the history of our nation. More people don't like, one, don't like them than any other, and one of them is going to be our president. That kind of freaks me out a little bit, doesn't it, you? <laughs> But let me ask you, when you see that, do you pray? Do you lift your voice to God? Do you ask God to bring conviction into their life? The Bible says he directs the minds of kings like a water course, that God can come in and change their thinking and move in their life. But is the church doing what the church should do? I just want to call you. When you see some of these atrocious things on TV and you hear some of the things that just, just you know, break against your spirit, don't be silent. Don't, don't lift your voice to God. Don't go post some hateful thing on Facebook. Lift your voice to God. Facebook people can't do anything. God can do a lot of things. God can do a lot of things. Listen, don't, I just want to tell you, the enemy wants you to feel helpless. There's times when I'm listening to some of this stuff, I just feel helpless. And I go, wait a second. I'm not supposed to feel helpless. I'm supposed to be a servant of the Almighty God who can do anything. And so I need to lift my voice to him and pray for my nation and ask God to silence the enemy. This is one way. You've got, you've got things in your office or in your workplace. or where, are, you, are you praying? If you're not praying, you're not attacking the darkness. Now, let me, let me share the, the second one. The second one is this. We've got to serve people in Jesus' name. This is probably the third time this year I found myself drawn back to this one very clear action step that as Christians we need to have deep in the DNA of who we are as a church body and as individuals. 
Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. You are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But now we're his body. So who's the light of the world? You are. We are. We're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. We're not supposed to be hiding out under our bed sheets at night saying, oh, Jesus, come quickly. We're not supposed to be silent in the four walls of our sanctuary. We're not supposed to be covered up. We're supposed to be out there. Everybody that knows this needs to know that we're we're a follower of Christ. Our lives are not supposed to be covered up. Our lives are supposed to be revealed. It goes on to say, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. And all the, that's, that's what the church is supposed to We're supposed to bring light into our community. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. One of the things that makes the message that is convicting and goes against the flesh and the culture more compelling is when we're doing things that are so good that people like what we're doing even though they don't like the message. We've got to be doing, we've got to be doing good things. Good works means service, that we are serving people. You want to up the wattage of your life? You want your life to get brighter? We want the church to be brighter? Then we've got to find ways to serve people. See, today, when, when we as a church uh, give a little bit of money and we put people back in their homes in Louisiana and, and the groups that do that is a, a Christ-centered churches and a Christ-centered ministry and they go to them, they say, we've rebuilt and we've done this and you can come back into your home and, and they, why have you done? Well, we're, we love God and we believe this is the call of God that God would have us to help people in need. The, the light of that church in that community brightens and the light of our influence brightens. When you drop an extra dollar in and it helps somebody get into a home someplace, it hasn't hurt you much, but it's, it's raised the wattage of your life because that good work has helped somebody else. You've made a difference. When our teams go out and feed the homeless, we have Stacy down here, she has a group, they go out what, twice a month, Stacy, to, to feed the group of homeless at one of the places here in town. When, when our groups go do that, and, and you can go see Stacy and get involved, you can see Stan, Stan Vasek, they, he goes to one every, every, uh, every week. When, you, when, we, when our volunteers, when church people go and they feed those folks and they love on those folks and they minister to those folks and all the needs that they have and all the things they have, they have this bright spot in their life where people love them and serve them and take care of them. We bring the light of the gospel into our city. And you can get involved. They say, well, I can't go every week. Can you go once a year? Can you go once a month? Get involved someplace. Find the place where you feel God's asking your light to shine bright and go do something. Go get involved in something. When we do our street outreaches and we give away food, people take baskets and sacks of food home or clothes home or they have games there for the kids to play, it brightens the day in those lives. It brings the gospel. 
When we do single moms day out and moms come into our church and, and, and the ladies of this church and others love on them and serve them and take care of them, the guys clean up their car. That, that's just good works, service that brightens it. And you know what? Almost every year we have some, some single mom come into that ministry and the next day show up at church and within a week or two have given their heart to Christ and their life's on a different path. And it all started with a bunch of people saying, we're just going to serve people. We're just going to serve people. We have the play zone out here. And uh, we, opened, you know, we had over a thousand people register at play zone this summer. Come through our doors. And we, we offer that. People can come. They can bring their kids in. They've got to stay with them. So you see these moms or dads come in. Kids going and play. And they're out there. They're balancing their checkbook. They're working on their schoolwork. They're doing, or maybe they're just sitting there with a cup of coffee going. <sighs> it brightens the day. You know, if you've got two or three kids and you can take them someplace and somebody else watch them for an hour, it brightens your day, doesn't it? And you do that just in the name of, it's just, it's just a way for us to say, how can we serve you? How can we help your life be a little bit better? What can we do to, to make life uh, be, be, be a little more simple for, for you? We're not, we're not, we're not, when people go out to the hitting center and our leaders out there at the hitting center pour their lives into kids and build friendships with families and touch families and, and minister to them and those families begin to ask questions about why do we do this and what's this all about? You know what? We have people at church every Sunday that the first door they ever walked into with anything doing to our church was the hitting center. They came in there. They met some really godly guys really godly gals who shared the, the love of God with their children, shared the love, waited for the door to open, taught them about how to hit a baseball, taught them about how to hit a softball, and in the right time, the doors open, and they shared more with them, and they've come to faith. Because somebody invested in their life. There's so many places where we can get involved. When we supply blankets or coats or other items to the needy in our community and to the shelters in our community, we, we, we up our wattage. When we buy equipment for the fire department or the police departments so that they can serve better and serve in a safer way, it, 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 it raises our wattage. When we go out like we do in the summers many times and help clean up neighborhoods, go through alleys and clean up neighborhoods and help do things in neighborhoods, to just to minister to that neighborhood and to be a blessing to it, we up the wattage. When we send missions teams around the world and in the U.S., three or four times a year we'll send groups out to go minister around our country or like we have a bunch of people right now down in El Salvador ministering to kids, helping families, pouring into their lives. We're not only upping the wattage of that ministry, but it ups our wattage of influence around the world because we're investing. When we give to missions and because of our giving, schools get built and hospitals get funded and, and colleges and, and seminaries get established and churches get built and feeding programs happen that feed thousands of people every day in the name of Jesus. When we do that, we up the wattage of our life and we up the wattage of that ministry and that community to bless many, many people. We just have to be willing to serve. We have to be willing to get involved to sacrifice some of our time and some of our money and some of our talents and resources. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. If you don't want to give money, you can go down to the blood bank and give blood. You can go help somebody down there. You go down there and you give blood. 
They ask you, you know, you got an organization to give for? Yeah, I'm giving it for Calvary Church or Calvary Academy and doing this in the name of Jesus. You help somebody in need. You take care of somebody that has, has a need. You can go out and volunteer for Safe Families. We, I've asked them to set up a booth today. Safe Families, for those of you who don't know, is this ministry that helps families in need in between the time when their need is so great that they can't take care of their family for a short time and the government stepping in and taking the kids away. Safe Families is a Christian ministry that bridges that gap and steps in so that hopefully it never gets to that next stage and the government has to take care of it. And there's all kinds of things you can do to be a part of safe families, from allowing kids to stay in your home to being a support to other families that have a child staying in their home. There's all kinds of places that you can be involved and help families in need. We have children at church today because families in our church are hosting them in their homes for a while. Is that a great thing? Yeah, praise God. So you can, you can go by the Safe Families booth back here. Ryan's right over there. You can see Ryan. Ryan, raise your hand and wave at everybody. See Ryan. Talk to him and say, how can I serve in my community? This is one of the great ways to serve. To find a way where your life can make a difference in other people's lives. You can go out to the Hitting Center and get involved out there. You're, you can go by Hope Thrift Center, which helps supply funds to help kids around our city and around the world and get involved out there. You can sign up for youth ministries in our church or children's ministries in our church and begin to invest in children in our church and begin to build relationships with children in our church where the enemy is so focused on raising them in a culture that is godless, you can be the light in their life to help that family raise them in a way where they'll love and serve God all their life. But it takes some acts of service. It takes some One of the ministries I'm really passionate about is Guardian Angels. Guardian Angels is a, a ministry we have in our church to families who have children with special needs. This need seems to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger in our society today. There seems to be more and more families with children with special needs. And Guardian Angels is a ministry where, uh, where, where we invest some leadership to minister and love and care for the kids who have special needs so their parents can come to church. Now, if you've been around a family with a child with special needs, here's one thing you'll learn very quickly. It is a 24-7 job. There's very little breaks. There's a lot of pressure. It's always going on. And that family is just, many times, can be overwhelmed with the pressure of what's happening in their life. And for somebody to say, listen, you can come to church for a couple hours, you can go in and sit down and enjoy the music, let the Spirit of God minister to you, and we'll watch your kids, we'll build a relationship with your kids so that when they come in, they'll want to come in here and be a part of it, and we'll take care of them for, for an hour or two for you. That brightens the family's life, folks. I'm telling you, I think this ministry in our church needs to get bigger. I think we need to get better at it. I think we need to minister more families in it. I think it's a wide open door for us to bring the light of the gospel into dark places in our community and to help families with great needs. And I just, I just want to encourage you. There's so many places where we can get involved and where we can serve. I, I want to challenge C2 group leaders here today. Listen, our groups need to be open. We need to be inviting people into our groups. 
But I, only, I want to challenge you. Don't just be angry. Don't, don't, just, don't just sit in your group and enjoy each other and have nice fellowship and pray for each other. But at least once a year, go serve someplace. As a group. Get out and go do something. Go out to Hope Thrift Center and serve for a few hours. Get involved in one of the outreaches. Go serve at one of the, one of the food, uh, food distribution places. Go, go to find a family in need that maybe none of us know about, but your, your group knows about, and take care of them for a few months. Find a way to bring the light of the gospel. In the, let's, let's not sit back and be hidden Christians. Let's, let's get the cover off, and let's let the light of the gospel shine. Amen? Now think about what happens when a church begins to do that. And we all begin to, be, begin to be a people who go out and do that ministry for the glory of God's kingdom. All of these things up the wattage of our life. And there needs to be organizational brightness as a church body where we bind together, work together, serve together, whether that's VBS in the summer or outreaches or this next summer. We're going we're gonna to plan a bunch of events this next summer where you can sign up for any one of them. You don't have to, it's not going to be overwhelming where you have to give 25 hours of your life every, every week to something where you can give maybe an hour here or an hour there. But as a church, we can give a bunch of hours and bring the love of Christ into our community. But we have to serve. We have to be willing to organizationally do it. But not only do we have to be organ, organizational about it, there needs to be organic brightness. What does that mean? This is just the natural outflow of life. Seeing yourself as on assignment all the time. I'm going to tell you two things about, being, about serving. First of all this, if you want to get over depression, you want to get over bitterness, you want to get over grief, you want to get over some of the rejection and abuse, I'm going to tell you the best way right now to get over it begin to serve other people. When you begin to serve other people, you want to get over insecurity? Begin to serve other people. When you begin to serve other people, the grace of God flows through you to minister to them. And guess what's happening when it's flowing through you? It's healing you in the process. Don't go hide. You'll hide yourself in the bedroom, turn out all the lights, pull your heads up, head up over the, uh, the covers up over you. Don't, don't, don't do that. There's no healing there. There's no life there. And it may be hard and it may be tough. But when you, when you get up and say, you know what? I'm not going to give in to this thing. I'm going to go serve. When you serve, you find healing. When, you, when you're used to heal others, God heals you. And so I want to challenge you to go out and to get involved in, in the excitement of being a part of bringing brightness into other people's lives. You'll find life to the full in service. Now sometimes you find these really dramatic, exciting things that God does and you get letters from people and they call you later and they say, wow, you can't believe how much that meant to me. You can't believe how much of a difference that made in my life. That I, I was so discouraged. I was so beaten up and you came into my life at just the right time. Those are thrilling moments. Sometimes you just have funny things happen. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I'd left the church uh, at the end of the day. Renee had, I think, refreshed or something going on that night. And so I was going by, uh, I went by the grocery store to pick a couple things up for me. And as I got to the grocery store and got out of the car, uh, there were two ladies standing in, in the middle of the parking lot. I would guess late 60s, early 70s, 
And I could tell the way they were looking, they, were kind of, they looked a little distraught. And I saw a man running away from them. And, and honestly, my first thought was, he has said something to them. He has done something to them. Uh, he scared them. Something's happened. And I thought, I can't just walk by that. So I walked over to this lady. Are, are you okay? And they're kind of looking at this guy, and he's kind of looking back at them. He's running the other direction. I said, are you okay? And they go, well, no, not, not really. I said, what's, what, what's, what's wrong? And the one lady said, well, uh, my car is right here, and I, I got here to I came here and I went into the store and I left my 92-year-old father in the car. And, and I came out and he's gone. And, and he, he walks with a cane so he can't be far. I don't know where he is. I was only in there five minutes. That guy's going to go look up there for him. I said, okay, I'll start going. So I start going up and down the aisles uh, of the scene, maybe walk, got out and walked around and fell down in between cars or something. I'm looking in cars, see maybe he got in the wrong car. You know, trying to just figure out where he's at. Before long, there's about 10 of us. I'm running around the back of the building. I'm going into different stores, and the people going to different stores, we're all looking different places, going into the bathrooms, looking all over the place. This goes on for about a half an hour. Looking for, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, how far could this guy go? And if he's not in his own power, who in the world would pick up a 92-year-old guy and drive off with him? <laughs> All kinds of stuff's going through here. And finally, I come out of one of the stores, and I, I see the, the lady, very nicely, driving away. And as she's driving away, I'm looking at the car. I said, well, maybe she found him. I'm looking at the car. No, there's nobody in there. And I'm thinking, did she give up? Did she decide he's gone? You know, what happened to the guy? So I, I said, well, you know, she's gone. I guess it's over. So I, I walk into the grocery store, and there were two or three of the people there standing inside the store. Who were, uh, who were helping look. And I said to one, I said, hey, what happened to the old guy? What did we find out? And the, and the, the late, one lady's left, she said, oh, she called home, she forgot to bring him. <laughs> now that's just fun, isn't it? Now that's just, you know, just life and things happen. Stuff can happen to all of us. And, and yet you just, you just have a, you just kind of go with the flow. But we're, what's my point? We're on assignment. And sometimes there are funny things like that. And sometimes there are life-altering things. But you've got to be willing to look up and see what's going on around you. And be willing to say, God, what do you want me to do about this? What's my, what's my role? Can I help? Can I make a difference? Can I say something or do something? We see the opportunities to serve as a chance to up the wattage, taking a meal to somebody, mowing a lawn for somebody, using your business to help someone in need, using your talents to help somebody in need, getting involved with somebody. All show the brightness of the gospel as you use the things that God's given you to be his grace, helping somebody else. One of the key scriptures I've read to you so many times, again, even this year, is Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to hide out in the church and to wait for his coming. <laughs> created in Christ Jesus to be really quiet so nobody knows who we are and to be stealth in this world. Is that what it says? No, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works. To do something. Which God prepared prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God wants to unleash an army of people to better life for others. He, He wants you in that army. He wants you in that army. And if all you do is sit back going, I'm waiting for somebody to better my life, it's never going to happen. When you start bettering other people's lives, your life is going to get better. This is the way the kingdom works. The more you allow him to pour through you, the more he pours into you. Did you get that? The more you allow him to pour through you, the more he pours into you. So let him flow through you. Serve people. Look for ways. Follow the leading of your heart. And all of this, friends, I would tell you, Jesus sets the standard. In Matthew chapter 20, some of the guys get to arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom and who's going to sit where and do what. And Jesus looks at him and goes, boy, you, like so many of us, you're not getting this. This isn't that kingdom. There's another kingdom here. And he says to them these words, You know that the rulers of Gentiles rule it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said, boys, I'm changing the rules. My kingdom is different. You want to be great in my kingdom? Start serving people. Start using your life. Even as the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many, you give your life to take care of others. This is what the kingdom's about. It's about us helping other people. Yeah, he died for us, so we get to go to heaven. He paid the ransom price for us. He paid the worst terrorist in all of history so that we, with his blood so that we would no longer be indebted to that devil and we'd be set free. And then he calls us that as he came and served our greatest need for us to use what he's given us to serve others in need so that they too would see the light of the gospel and be drawn to him. Amen? That's our call. That's what the church is supposed to be about. And when you begin to do that individually, your life gets brighter. And when we do that as a church, friends, if we could see into the spiritual world, when a church does that in unity together, it becomes a skyscraper, brightening up an entire community because of the gospel of truth and action flowing through it. Let's stand together today and let's pray. I'm going to ask prayer teams to come down to the front. Every, everyone else, if you would, while prayer teams are coming down, if you just bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. My challenge to you today is for you just to let the Lord speak to you about places of service. If you're not serving in the church for the Lord, let the Lord speak to you about that. And maybe you need to serve in a youth ministry or 
a children's ministry or safe families or you can go by safe families booth today you can uh, you can fill out a card just pick one of those connection cards and put you know youth ministry or children's ministry or someplace and we'll we'll help you find a place to serve here's my first call to you though Jesus paid the ransom price for you he paid a ransom for you so you could be set free from an enemy who had stolen you away from a loving Heavenly Father. But for that ransom to be applied to your life, you've got to ask Him to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Have you done that? With every head's about every eye closed. You say, Pastor, as I stand here around all these people today, I want to ask Christ into my life to be my Lord and Savior. Just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me, please, today. God bless you. I see that hand. Others today, see those hands, those hands, those hands, those hands, those hands. God bless you. God bless you. You're, you're, you're asking to come into a new kingdom. I hope you know that. You're asking to have the ransom price paid for you, but you're also entering into a new kingdom, a new way of living, a new way of seeing the world that all comes out of the Word of God. Where you become part of the increasing brightness in the world and set up the darkness of the world. Father, you've seen every hand that was raised here today. And even as right now, Lord, as they ask you into their life and, and submit their life and just ask you to be the Lord and Savior of their life, I know you'll do a permanent work in them because your son paid the ransom price. Let them be born into your kingdom. Let their heart begin to change. Let them become a new creature. In Christ Jesus, we pray. And Father, for us as a church, let us mature in this understanding that as individuals, we're supposed to be serving. And Lord, just even this week, as opportunities come at work or at home or in our neighborhood, just whisper into our hearts, here's a place for your waters to go up. And Father, as a church, let us bind together, work together joyfully to up the wattage of our influence in this community so that others will see the wisdom and the glory of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.